Today we are continuing with our vision series, and you will see that I'm talking about spiritual growth. And this is all about pursuing a limitless life in Jesus. Okay, so I know that there's a whole lot of untapped potential in every person in here, and every person that's going to be listening to this message online. And I know this because of our church's core scripture. So, Ephesians 3.20, this is our church's core scripture. It says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen. So since his power is working on the inside of us, and he can do infinitely more than we can ask or even think, I think it's safe to say that there is untapped potential in each and every one of us in this room today. This spiritual growth, that's really what I'm talking about. And Kate said it's discipleship, spiritual growth. What do these terms really mean? I want to break that down real quick before we get into this. Well, our spirits are already perfect, so spiritual growth kind of sounds funny when you think about it, because your spirit is made new. We know that we identify with Christ in our spirit when we are born again. He is brand new, He is complete, He is whole. So when we talk about spiritual growth, really what we're talking about is changing the way we think. That your soul, that you are trying to get to come in line with your spirit, because your spirit man's perfect. So we're renewing the, our mind so that we can ad- identify with our new spirit. And that's what we talk about when we say spiritual growth here at No Limits. We're just trying to get these, uh, these truths that are already on the inside of us to take place on the outside. Amen. Today I'm going to be teaching on the parable of the sower and the seed. Okay, now it's amazing how uh, God speaks to No Limits speaking team, because I'm sure you guys remember just a few weeks ago, Pastor K taught on this, these exact same parables. At the same time that he was teaching on these par- parables, God had been showing me different things about these scriptures at the exact same time. It's crazy. And what I've been learning about these, these passages is uh, how they are the key to living a limitless life in Jesus. And here's the, the passages right here. It's Mark 4. It's, it's a more than just Mark, but I have Mark's up here, and he, he puts it this way. Listen, behold, the sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. I used to think when I'd read this passage that it was just kind of talking about being born again, that some people would hear the word and accept Jesus, and some people wouldn't, some people would be excited, and that's kind of the extent that I took this parable. I really didn't dig in too much deeper than that. And even after he said this parable, Jesus' own disciples were like, what are you talking about? You know, they didn't even understand it. Luckily, we have hindsight. We can keep reading and see what Jesus says about it. So that's pretty awesome for us today. (laughs) Uh, But when they asked him what it meant, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So, what God has been showing me is how important that this parable is. It's like a key 
to unlocking a limitless life in Jesus. And now when I say that I've been hearing uh, Jesus speak to me or God speak to me, I just want to I just want to kind of point this out because, you know, last week Kay to talk about the step-by-step direction of God and how important it is to hear that step-by-step direction in your life. But there's been times in my life where I didn't feel like I got a personal word from God. And if you're in that spot right now, like you're, you're saying, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know that personal next step. I just want to encourage you to get into His Word because you know the Word is Jesus. So anytime you read the Word, you're hearing directly from Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So if you need a word from God, just read the Word. Amen? So you know, once, you know, once you know God by getting to know His Word, then you can distinguish His voice because you know who He is. So basically, if you're having trouble hearing from God, open your Bible. Okay. <laughs> okay, back to the parable. Now, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of, a, of my thought process on this and where I, where I come from. You know, I've always, the Bible has always been truth to me. And what that means is, it's black and white, okay? Everything in the Bible is true. Or it's not true. It's simple as that to me. Either it's true or it's not, Okay. So I will not let my life experiences determine what the Bible means to me, but I will change my experiences by figuring out who I am in the Word. Yes, I do not make excuses for areas of my life that don't line up with the Word, but there is a problem with this mindset, and it has left me confused and discouraged quite a number of times. And I'll tell you, this is why. Well, actually, for... There's a scripture I felt I related to the most for, for a while, and it was, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Has everyone heard that or read that or been like, man, yep, that's, I've deferred hope? It's kind of sad, but I'm just trying to be honest with you. That was, I felt that way for a long time. And it was because I would read about the early disciples. I would read about all the wonderful things they were doing. I would read about the life of Jesus. I'd read about the miracles he performed. I'd read about the healings he did. I'd read about him casting out of demons. I would read about the New Testament church and the great things they were doing, okay? And then I would look at my own life. But you say, yeah, that's Jesus though, right? Jesus can do all things. That's not for me. That's, that was him. Well, then I would read John 14, 12, which this is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to be with my Father. Amen. So who does that say? He who believes. It's, it's for anybody, anybody, any believer, okay? We are called to be imitators of Christ. We're not called just to learn about Christ. You're called to imitate Christ. So how can you say that this was just for the original apostles? I've even heard teachings on this, that this is just talking about the church as a whole, that the church will do greater things because there's more people. We can do it. But that's not what this verse says. You can read it clearly. There's no misinterpretation here. He who believes in me, he will do the same works I do, and even greater works he will do. Do you know Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? He'd been in four days. Martha said, Lord, what are you doing? He stinks by now. He's dead. His corpse is rotting. I mean, what are you going to do? Jesus said, you know what? Jesus told Martha, he said, if you just believe, you will see the glory of God. What's Jesus telling us right now? If we only believe, we will see the glory of God. Amen. But would it be shocking? If I told you I saw someone raised from the dead, they'd been dead for four days, who would even believe me? Would you honestly believe me? Would it be shocking? But why should it be shocking if this is who the Word says we are? It should not be shocking. 
So if you believe in the word and you believe it's true, this is who we are. Okay, so again, this is black and white to me. I will not change the word of God to fit a theology. I will change the way I think to fit the word of God. Hmm. So if I truly believe in Jesus, I should be at least doing the things that he did on this earth, right? That's what this passage is saying. If we believe the word, I should be at least doing the things that Jesus was doing. We serve a no-limits God. He does not limit us. We limit him. Look at the promises in his word. What has he promised us? We are limiting him. If you're not seeing all the promises in the word in your life, it's because we are limiting God. Do you know the first scripture that God put on my heart? I didn't even try to, re- I wasn't even trying to like actually remember scripture when I first started reading. I was just getting in the word, learning about Jesus. The first one he put in my heart, and won't let me forget, was James 1.22. As be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving even yourself. You can read the whole word and still deceive yourself. You need to be a doer of the word. God has called us to action. Okay? So I began to search for people that were living this. They were doers of the word to the extent that they were seeing miracles and they were seeing healings on a reoccurring basis. Like it wasn't just something that happened every once in a while. They were living this life that I saw the early church living. I started trying to find people that were doing this exact same thing. And this is what I came across. There's actually a bunch of them out there. Who's heard of Todd White? Watch the Normal Christian Life channel on YouTube, Andrew Womack Ministries. There's so many awesome testimonies that come out of that ministry. Darren Wilson Films, Finger of God, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost Reborn, Father of Lights. It's all good. You can watch people walking out who God has called them to be. I'm sure there's a ton more that aren't even big names that are out there doing what you're called to do. So what is... (laughs) Once I beginning to find these people, I realized it just wasn't my desire. There's other people out there that had this desire, and they're actually accomplishing it. They're actually doing the things that the Word has called them to do. And you can get online and watch it. You can see them perform miracles. You can see healings happen. It's not like it's just hearsay. You can actually go watch it. And speaking of miracles and stuff, did you know that Jesus said, John chapter 10, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Right there. Jesus is saying, if I don't do good, if, I, if the works aren't there, don't even believe me. You know? But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Why is it different today? Why don't we, why do we get rid of the works and just preach the gospel? There's the works that go hand in hand. It's because you can be a better witness to people. If someone gets healed or you have a word of knowledge for somebody, do you know how receptive they are to the word of God? It immediately opens their heart and they can accept the truth. They're not automatically put off because you just said Jesus and they don't want to hear about you anymore. They're, they're like, holy cow, what did you do? How am I healed? Watch it on the normal Christian life. Some of those guys are cussing when they get healed because they don't know what happened. They go, what the <laughs> did you do to me? You know, They don't know what is happening, but they're receptive to the word at that point. Well, by now I'm sure you can see how I built myself up for discouragement because <laughs> you can see where my mindset is. And I did, of course, I haven't hit that. I didn't even I have, I didn't hit that, you know, so it's just, but I've never let that discouragement reign in my life. I just dig deeper in the word to find out who I am and what is going on. And I will not let it stop me from praying for people. Because, uh, you know, I had to, I prayed over a baby that had been in the NICU for a month. 
It was the daughter of a friend. It was my best friend in high school. It was his daughter. But we'd both joined the military right after school, came back home, uh, but we hadn't really kept in touch. We didn't really talk since high school. And, you know, back then I was just, in high school, I was just Christian by name. I tell you I was a Christian, but have you ever heard that, you know, if, you, if I got arrested for being a Christian, there'd be no evidence to convict me? That, that, that's, that was basically it. I was Christian by name, okay? Uh, but I knew his daughter was sick because of Facebook. And I just couldn't shake the feeling that I needed to go pray for her. But I made excuses for a couple weeks because I really didn't want to. I didn't talk to him since high school. Wouldn't it be weird uh, just to go up there to go pray for her? So I made excuses. But the desire to pray was way too strong for me to ignore it. So I went up there. And I told her parents, I told that baby's parents, my friend and his wife, I said, God wants your baby healed, and God will heal your baby, and I will lay hands on her, and she can be healed. And I laid my hands on her, and I spoke life into that baby, okay? She died the very next day, okay? See what I'm saying? See where that discouragement can hit you? And you're like, I don't understand, because I felt so bad like I needed to go up there. So I did. I didn't really want to, but I did. Died the next day. But I will not let my experiences determine what the Word of God says about me. Because what does it say? And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will recover. I knew that was a truth. Why didn't I see it? I have to get back into the Word to find out why I was not seeing that truth in my life. Now, I have seen people, I've seen Jesus heal people through my hands. There was all sorts of stuff that happened in Mexico. There was three of us laid a hand on that, on that guy's knee, and it was healed. There was a lady that we were just praying for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and her stomach issues were healed. We didn't even know she had stomach issues. She just told us afterwards, she goes, well, you guys were praying for me. My stomach problems went away. I've had the stomach pain for a long time. Uh, I had a word of knowledge for a lady there. First time God really worked with me in that way. You know, I just, he just let me know. He gave me the feeling that when I would look at her, he gave me the feeling that nobody loved her or that Jesus didn't love her. So I asked her, I said, do you feel like God doesn't love you? I feel like that's what he's telling me right now. She said, yes, I feel like nobody loves me, not even my husband. But that word of knowledge allowed us to minister to her. It wasn't just words anymore. She knew that God was speaking to her because of a word of knowledge. And so we even got to bring her husband over, and we got to pray for their marriage. I mean, that was an amazing time. Tim, I mean, we were out duck hunting, and he rolled his ankle, and he couldn't put any weight on it. And we prayed over his ankle, and he was able to get out of there. It was sore for a while. It was tender, but he was able to stand up, put weight on it, and, and walk. I didn't have to try to carry him out from <laughs> out of the woods. <laughs> so it's not like all this was, nothing was happening, but I wasn't seeing the types of things that I was dreaming about in the New Testament. You know, I would look at people like Todd White and Andrew Womack and watch the things that they were doing. They were, they seemed to be, have reached the place that I wanted to be. And it's not that we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. But I compare myself against the Word, and when I read the Word, these people were producing the type of fruit that I saw when I read the Word. And that's why I look, I look at those people and wonder what they're doing differently than I am. And they also have two completely different personalities. I want you to know that. I don't know if you know Todd White and Andrew Womack. Two completely different people. God's not calling you to be somebody that you're not. 
He's calling you to be you without limits. So I sought God more about these parables as he was starting to reveal these truths to me. And this is, this is how the kingdom of God works, is what he was showing me. This is like a key you need to understand, to understand how to get to where you want to go. He said, your heart is the ground, the word is the seed. So Jesus explains that when he's explaining the parable. But a seed not only has to be planted to grow, it needs to be nurtured. Uh, sometimes we like to plant a seed, and then you'll go out the very next day looking for a harvest, you know? Like you'll read a good piece of scripture, you go out and... Why is it not working? That's what, I, that's what I did. It takes more than reading a scripture once. You know, it's not, just, it's not that simple. I sure w- I wish it was. But do you need healing in your body? What scriptures have you been standing on? What seeds have you planted in your heart? And have you been nurturing those seeds? You know, some seeds like trees, they take years to grow. Okay? Uh, I mean, you want to plant an apple tree, and you want to go out the next day, pull the seed out of the ground, say, this isn't working. And, you know... You just want to do that. But we do that with the Word, even though God has laid it out for us. You have to let that seed grow, okay? So, uh, you know, some seeds, yeah, they take years to grow. Even a sapling. You know, you look at that sapling a year later, and you still want to wonder why it's not producing apples. It's been a full year. You want to go up to the apple tree and go, well, this thing, isn't. I better curse it like the fig tree. It's not producing. You're cursed. No, you'd say, well, it just needs time. Some apple trees take three to ten years to grow fruit, so it takes time. This is just another explanation of it. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. The seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know why, for the earth yields crops by itself. Okay, so if you plant the seed, it will produce fruit, but it produces it in this way. First the blade, then the head, then after that you get the full grain in the head, okay? So basically what Jesus is saying is, it's called seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. But we all hate that middle time part, okay? Especially in the American society, because everything is now. We want it now. Well, it doesn't work like that. Again, I wish it did, but it doesn't. So if you can understand that all you have to do is read the Word and continue in the Word, you will see fruit produced in your life. So at this point, I begin to ask God, okay, what about the dirt? You know, how do I get nice fertile soil so that that Word can take deep root in my heart? Because it was just the next step. I was like, okay, well... Not all dirt is good. How do I get it good? And I went back and I started reading these parables again. And he was just showing me that the first dirt is too hard. You know, Satan can steal the word. If you don't take the word and plant it deep in your heart, if you don't put it in your heart, Satan can snatch that word from you because it's, it's just right there. Okay, you have to, the first step, you have to plant it in your heart. In fact, there's a psalm that says, plant the word in your heart and Satan cannot steal it. That was way back before the New Testament. This is not a new truth. It's the same truth. God, Jesus was just revealing to you uh, the, the truth that it's in the Word. So the only difference between the good soil and the other two soils was rocks and thorns. That was the difference. So you have to remove the rocks and the thorns to get to your good soil. So, 
I'm sure many people in here have grown a garden before. And if you haven't, well, it's a lot of work, okay? Uh, when I first came back from the military, I decided I wanted to grow a garden. I went to my grandma's house, right? She had a bunch, because she had a big property. And I tilled up an area. I don't know, I'm thinking 20 foot by 40 foot. Maybe it wasn't that big. It seems real big to me in my mind. It seemed pretty big, okay? Uh, and I, plant, I planted all sorts of things in this garden. And I'd worked in the garden some as a kid, but I did not anticipate the amount of work that it was going to take to get this sucker to produce what I wanted it to. All right. Uh, I wouldn't be able to get over there for just a couple days. Like, it didn't take long. You know, I got busy for a couple days. I'd go over there. The whole thing's covered in weeds, you know? You're just like looking at it like, what in the world's happened? Looks like the rest of the yard. <laughs> so I thought I could dump all this time and love into the garden in the beginning, and then it would just be self-sufficient. Like, it would just take care of itself after that point. And while the seeds themselves just needed me to water the garden if it didn't rain, and they needed sun, that was really all the seeds needed. They just needed a little bit of love. But the garden demanded my time to keep away the weeds. I just started to grow cantaloupe. Cantaloupe started to come up, right? Raccoons would come by at night and, like, buy every one of them. They never would finish one. They would just run every, every cantaloupe. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. But I quickly began to realize that I was not going to have a successful garden without putting in the time to make sure it was well taken care of. You're, you could still grow stuff, but what is, what is your fruit going to look like? What's, what's your harvest going to look like if you're not taking care of the weeds, getting out those thorns and those rocks? It'll be pretty sad looking. So it's, it's not enough just to read the word casually. You have to take care of your heart. What's limiting God in your life? What are your thorns? You know, I'm, I'm at home a lot during the day. Uh, a lot of my work's on the computer. And so if I ever take a lunch break or if I'm taking a day to package, I'll spend the whole day packaging. I do it from my, my kitchen counter. So I'm right there in my, my, my house. And I used to just kind of watch sitcoms on Netflix, you know, just something to kind of numb your mind, just something in the background, something funny. But then I began to realize I was never going to see God work in my life without limits, living this type of lifestyle. So I made a decision that during the day, I was going to listen to nothing but godly teaching. If anything was in the background, it was going to be godly teaching. It was going to be praise and worship. It was going to do with God. That was it. Then in the evenings, I would let myself unwind, whatever. I'd watch a show if I wanted to take a break, right? Because it's it's such hard work to listen to God all day, right? So... (laughs) But what's funny is once I made this switch, like, I didn't even really want to watch Netflix in the evening. Like, that desire left for me because you're filling yourself up with the Word, and your, your soul starts to catch on to what your spirit is, and you don't even want the things of the world. You don't want that show on Netflix, okay? That, that was just a thorn for me. And it might not even have been anything bad I was watching. It's not the fact that it was bad. But whatever you are watching, if it's not a godly seed, it is still a seed, okay? And it's still planted in your heart, which makes it a thorn, all right? Some weeds are pretty, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, but it's still a weed, and you're still going to have to deal with it later, okay? Jesus says it this way, and the cares of this world 
the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes fruitful. This is his... uh, this is him explaining the parable of the thorns. This is his exact words about what we're talking about. And so at this time, I had canceled Netflix because I figured, well, I got Amazon Prime anyway. If I want to watch anything, I can just watch it on Amazon Prime, right? <laughs> uh, but we haven't even been doing that in the evenings. Like I said, that desire has just left me. And now I spend my time either studying the Word, I looking into new ways to prosper in my finances uh, so I can be a bigger blessing to the kingdom of God. But even still, you have to be careful when you're even doing this because the deceitfulness of riches, why are you trying to prosper? Is it just for yourself or are you trying to prosper so you can be a better steward in the kingdom of God? So it's still, you still have to be careful even when you're doing that. Uh, So yeah, my time is studying the word, working on business or new business ideas and spending time with my wife. That's really all, all I do anymore. And, uh, See, once, once I heard Cade, I don't know if you guys remember, Pastor Cade, God's been doing the exact same thing in his life. He was up here giving the same exact testimony. What was that, two, three weeks ago? Like it was, God at the same time has been doing this in both of our hearts. We didn't even know it until we started talking about it. Show us the same things. And what it is to me is it's a confirmation that God is preparing this church for great things. Amen. So I just encourage you to seek God and find out what your thorns are because he wants us to live a limitless life in him. And this is one of the ways that we can get to where we are actually living a limitless life in Jesus. Now, as I begin to wrap up here, I will say that you do not have to live this way to be saved. It's not a matter of salvation. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in Jesus, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and you will be saved. I mean, it's This doesn't have to do with salvation. But he loves us so much, amen, that he wants a better life for us here on earth. That is why he has made available to us a way to get it. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Wouldn't it be awesome to have more of this type of fruit? It's already on the inside of you. And so if you're lacking in any of this fruit, it's not because God's withholding it from you. It's already there. You already have it, and he wants these in your life. He wants you to have this fruit in your life. And that is why we have started the discipleship training program here. Because I believe it's the church's job to uh, help believers understand who they are in the body of Christ. We're just here to help guide you in your personal relationship with God. We want to help you remove the thorns, and we want to help nurture the seeds so that your garden is full. That's what, that's what this class is all about. We want to help you in your personal relationship with God. So again, we are meeting here on Tuesdays. And so if you're interested in that, come see me after church. You can get, well, I can give you one of the books, and then you, know, you can get hooked up in that class. But isn't it better to have fruit ready to pluck before you need it? I mean, do you want to wait until you need a healing to go run to your garden that you've neglected, searching around for your healing, the, the fruit that's there? It's, what are you going to find when you wait till the very last minute to pull that fruit? We want you to have so much fruit that other people are coming to you because they see it in your life. Amen? Then you can help them with their garden and you can fulfill your call 
in the body of Christ. So basically, I just hope that this message has helped you as much as it has helped me. Because I'm serious, God has been working just this parable with me for months. Like, it's not something that he just downloaded in my head one day. It's been months that I've been, like, reading over these passages and studying them and trying to figure out what he was trying to speak to me and the importance that this principle has so I can put it into practice with the entirety of the Word of God. I mean, this is one little key that you have to, like, take the rest of the Bible and, and use that key with it. But I begin, I mean, I realize that I cannot expect to see the things that I call powerhouse Christians. That's my, my term. I look at these people that are doing great things. They're powerhouse Christians. And I cannot expect to see the same things they do without taking care of my garden and, and then developing healthy fruit. And one of the biggest lies out there, this has to do with it too, is that you are perfect just the way you are. It's not true. I mean, God's love is unconditional, and He loves you no matter what. That is true. And if you believe on Him, you're saved in a discussion. That's it. But He tells you to change the way you think by the renewing of your mind. And He tells us to change not because He's angry, not even because He's happy with us, but He is just a good Father who wants the very best for His children, and He wants us to live without limits in His love. Amen? Amen.